Next month, I'll be attending my first beer festival of 2023, known as Bay Area Brewfest, located in San Francisco. It's bound to be an amazing beer festival with craft breweries from San Francisco and beyond. One of those breweries is called Otherwise Brewing, based in San Francisco, California, and they're my guest on this edition of Brew Stilled. So, grab a beer and tune in, but first... Let us begin. Hello everyone, welcome to Bruce Stilled. I'm here with Brandon, and for this edition of Bruce Stilled, I'm joined by Stellar and Aaron from Otherwise Brewing, based in San Francisco, California. Otherwise Brewing is San Francisco's first gluten-free brewery dedicated to exploring the world and flavors of alternate grains. They'll also be amongst breweries attending Bay Area Brewfest next month, and they're with me here in Bruce Stilled. So sit back and relax, have a nice beer, and enjoy my conversation with Stellar and Aaron from Otherwise Brewing. Here we go. So I'm um, Joined by Stellar and Aaron from Otherwise Brewing, based in San Francisco, California. How are you both this evening? Doing well. Thank you. Happy to be here. Doing great. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining me. So uh, my first question is, what is the origin of Otherwise Brewing? What was the, like, what was the moment that got you both into the craft beer industry and also led to Otherwise Brewing? Well, I think it's different for both of us. We had different journeys, but then we found ourselves at a, at a time when we wanted to collaborate. I came from the music industry by way of marketing. Uh, as well. And I was looking for a change of pace and I'd been homebrewing for a long time. So I wanted to get into the into the beer industry, but I also knew we needed a unique angle. Couldn't just be like the next hundredth brewery or whatever in the Bay Area. We want I wanted to do something a little bit different. A lot of people in my family have issues with gluten. So I thought, well, I wonder if I can make good beer that's gluten-free. Around that time I met Stellar and um, I'll let, you know, tell her, how about you tell your side of the story? Yeah, we, we have our individual stories that, you know, kind of intersect, right? where Aaron left off. Similar to Aaron, I came from a creative background in writing, and I fell in love with the San Francisco beer scene towards the end of my college career, started getting really interested in craft beer and drinking at the local bars and meeting the reps and the brewers. So right after college, I started working in the industry. It wasn't long after that that I decided that I wanted my own brewery. And after like some years of kind of planning, Aaron and I met through friends of the industry and kind of had a similar similar vision. So we put those visions together. Oh, perfect. And what was the first beer brewed by Otherwise Brewing? What was the style? Sort of like the trademark beer, the very first one made by Otherwise Brewing. Our first beer that we brewed commercially that is still our, it's our flagship beer is called Calrose Crisp. It is a 100% rice-based lager. Uh, It is brewed with Calrose rice, hence the name Calrose Crisp, which is a um, California-grown sushi rice. 5% ABV, crisp and clean. And it was important for us to launch with a really badass lager because although they are very easy to drink, they are very difficult to make, um, especially when you're not brewing with barley like we do. So we wanted to come out the gate, introduce ourselves with this signature beer that um, was a, a lager that represented who we are. Right. And I should point out that Stellar at first was a little skeptical about the gluten-free angle. 
So uh, sort of the challenge that she put to me was like, this needs to be a beer that's tasty enough, that's good enough that we can just put it down in front of our friends and be proud of it, regardless of whether whether they have dietary issues or not. So we did a bunch of research before launching the, the brand. We wanted to come up with, with well, first of all, recipes that were really good, but also figure out an approach to gluten-free brewing that was going to work to to make it, you know, flavor first, make it a fantastic beer that people choose for the taste. And then maybe they also choose it for the health benefit on top of that. That's wonderful. I definitely have to check out your guys' beers one of these days. The next time I'm out in San Francisco, as lagers are definitely amazing beers in terms of style. And I hear a lot about lagers, and even though they tend to be more challenging to make, but also ones that are really ones that breweries definitely want to take a challenge at. And it's done very well for us. It's still one of our best sellers. Yeah, it, it was sort of, as Stellar said, sort of our, our proving ground, our calling card to say, look, we can make this fantastic beer with a California-grown Cowro's rice. It tastes, um, you know, like a Pilsner beer. Nobody would mistake it for not being a beer. Uh, and it's a delicious flavor, and, and people continue to come back for it. And also, what is the origin of the name Otherwise Brewing in terms of the inspiration behind the name? We we had experimented with a lot of names. And we one thing we agreed on was that we knew we wanted a single word name. There are a lot of breweries out there that have kind of a two-word single syllable name. And so we just wanted something that was one word to kind of stand out amongst that. And when otherwise kind of came across the table, it felt right because we were exploring the wisdom of other fermentables other than barley. So Aaron and I both loved it. And because we we agreed on that, we decided to to roll with it. I don't know if you wanted to add more to that, Aaron. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. The only thing I would add is also we wanted to make sure that it was a brand that people would not hear wrong because often you're hearing about beer from someone's like, oh, I had this great beer, blah, blah, blah. And then you you can't remember what it is or it's spelled funny or whatever. So you can't find it. So we wanted to make sure that it's a, a beer where people say, oh, I had this beer called Otherwise. Everyone knows that that word, it's recognizable. You're not going to confuse it for something else that rolls off the top, right? Yeah. And it also looks good in print. That was another thing we were, we wanted something that visually was going to look good on our cans, etc. It definitely is wonderful as I'm always fascinated by the logos of breweries and also the names of their beers. And brings me to the next topic, you know, the types of beers you brew right now, they're currently available by Otherwise. What currently is brewed by Otherwise at the moment? Yeah, we typically, um, you know, we're a distributed brand. So we're in bars, restaurants, uh, liquor stores and stuff like that. So at any given time, we typically have five beers out on the market. We have the Cowrose Crisp, one of our flagship that we mentioned. We have a pale ale in the West Coast style called Western Edition, named after the San Francisco neighborhood. We have a chocolate stout, uh, Helen Ibs, that one won a uh, double gold medal in the recent uh, Tasting Alliance World Beer Competition. Uh, and then we rotate the hazy IPAs and the sours, going between uh, different hops, different fruit combinations for the sours. In terms of beer styles, are there other beer styles you'd like to branch off into the future that go along with the lagers, pale ales, and hazy IPAs? Yeah, there's a lot. We're always experimenting, doing test batches. You know, we're still pretty small. We're a young company, so there's, you know, there's only so much we can handle at one time, but we have, you know, on the back burner, quite a few recipes and different styles that we want to try out, uh, that we want to expand out to there when the time is right, sure. That's great to hear in terms of what's coming up. Now, in terms of Bay Area Brewfest, coming up next month in January, what can attendees of Bay Area Brewfest look forward to from otherwise brewing in terms of beers being served? Well, looking at our brewing schedule, uh, I can say we will for sure have it, one of our flagships, which is Cal Rose and or Western. I'm not sure yet. It kind of depends how demand is uh, for the remainder of this year, but we'll definitely have one of those and we will likely have the sour and or the stout. So we're not 100% sure. We got to see where we're at come the new year, but we hope to offer 
one flagship and then one one rotator. Along the beer festivals, there's also the beer competitions. How does Otherwise Brewing get involved in these beer competitions? And what is the atmosphere like in terms of competition? Is it pretty competitive or is it a friendly competition overall? What's it like competing with other breweries? And also congratulations on the recent awards that I read about on the website. What is the main process of a beer competition? Yeah, I would say, I mean, it's very collegial. The, the beer industry, one of the great things about it is that everyone supports each other and they're interested in the things that other other people are doing and they recognize that a win for one brewery just helps to elevate the whole space for everyone else. So that part of it is very, very supportive. Of course, competitions, they all have different rules and regulations and the process is different. So you just, you know, you send in what you think is, is some of your best work and you hope for the best, right? And specifically with the Tasting Alliance competition where we just won those five medals, they didn't have a separate gluten-free category. So all the beers that we entered won in their own respective style category going toe-to-toe with other gluten-containing beers, which felt extra good because it validates what we're doing and that these beers do indeed stand up on their own, you know, not just in their own separate gluten-free category. That's right. One of the things I'm very proud of is only about half of our customers are gluten-free people. The rest of them are people who just like the taste of our beer, right? So that's been important for us from the start. That's been sort of our, our guiding star is this has to be like really good beer. And that's always what keeps us going at the end of the day. So we're making a really good beer and we're doing it in a way that not many people, other people are, right? I definitely love what I see in a non-barley beer movement. Where has it been in terms of past, present? And where is it going into the future in terms of the movement, in terms of the innovation that it brings to the craft beer industry? I think it's really taking off. I think that, the, you know, the Beyond Beerly segment is sort of where the craft beer space was 20 years ago, where it was just this burgeoning movement and some people saw some potential, but a lot of people hadn't heard of it or they hadn't ever tasted a craft beer or something like that. Uh, and now we have the possibility to to brew with some of these other grains, bring out unique flavors, open up the craft beer world to people who were left out because of, you know, food allergies and stuff like that. So it's a very exciting time. I think there's a ton of growth potential there. Yeah. Um, just on a personal level, seeing, you know, I'm out in the field each day for work because I'm doing sales and marketing for the brewery most of the time. And the, you know, there's a couple different terms for it, but the mindful drinking space, better for you drinking space is growing more and more. It's become its own huge market and being a part of that feels really good seeing that people are making these more conscious choices while while drinking. So I I don't really see that going anywhere now that the space exists and the space is so big. So I would expect to see even more brands kind of doing what we're doing and not just for the health reasons, but there's also some economic reasons that back it up. And there's also some climate reasons that back it up too. You know, brewing with sustainability is something that is huge for us. Millet is a grain that we use in a lot of our beers and it is drought tolerant. And we think that, you know, brewing for the future is important and being adaptable to this changing world is important. So, you know, it's possible in a hundred years or something that brewers might have to adapt and start brewing with millet. So yeah, I I don't see the I don't see the beyond barley movement declining at any time soon. I definitely love the innovation behind it. I definitely think it's optimistic we can see other breweries jump into this movement into the future. Agree. That's right. Yeah, I see a, a ton of ton of growth potential. It's a very exciting space to be in. Uh, it's it's a very new thing. You get to be sort of at the forefront of these these discoveries and sort of like breaking new ground that nobody's ever broken before in terms of brewing. So it, it's a lot of fun. And you know, whenever people on the brewing side of things get 
introduced to it, there's a lot of enthusiasm there. So I, I think you're right. We're going to continue to see it growing. Yeah. And Aaron's getting hit up all the time by home brewers and even professional brewers about his methods and practices and tricks and things like that. So that's another good sign that there's just more interest and this beyond barley movement is gaining more and more momentum. When it comes to brewing a non-barley beer, what's the most essential element of that process of brewing a non-barley beer for those who are not familiar with the process? What is seen as the most critical element? That's a really good question. I think there are, I guess the most critical thing is to understand your ingredients. They react in different ways. You can't just take the knowledge that you would have from barley brewing and pour it over. There's some things that are totally different. There's some things I had to figure out on my own from scratch with our own research. There's some things uh, that I learned by talking to people in the wine industry, you know. Um, so you need to you need to really understand your ingredients and you need to learn to treat them as more of an agricultural product and not just like something you pull off a shelf. I mean, barley, and this is a great testament to the to the brewing industry, has become such a standardized commodity. You know, it's been farmed in a certain way, produced in a certain way, and you get this product that is very repeatable so that brewers can often think in terms of these very uh, recipe-based, formula-based way of, of putting together things, right? You always know that two-row barley is two-row. You know that Crystal 40 gives you a particular color, particular sweetness, these kinds of things. That's not true in gluten-free brewing. You're much more in that sort of wine world where you have to deal with What's the variation in the crops? What's the difference between this batch from this area and that area? So it's really about understanding your ingredients and then, you know, respecting that, figuring out what they can do, how to coax out what you want out of them. In terms of ingredients, are there certain beer styles that maybe can't translate to a non-barley beer or maybe need some certain adjustments? Or there are certain beer styles out there that maybe just cannot be made for, maybe just won't taste good or just cannot be done from a scientific perspective? We haven't come across any so far. You know, we've we've gone pretty far out there from like rich imperial starts stouts to like clean crisp lagers, uh, hoppy beers, malt forward beers, Belgian style beers. There's there's not a whole lot. Um, you know, every every type of grain that you use has its own unique characteristics, its own personality. It's gonna it's gonna lend something to the beer that's a little bit different. Same thing, you know, when people brew wheat beers or beers with rye, it lends a little something special that's reminiscent of that ingredient. So the same is true with gluten free ingredients. But in terms of the specific styles. Is there any style that you really can't do? No, we haven't found that yet. There's no restriction there. Also, with us coming out of COVID, what kind of challenges have been facing the non-barley beer movement that are still continuing to occur? We launched during COVID, so there was there was that kind of uphill battle. Not really COVID-related, but just being a gluten-free brewery in general, you know, that can sometimes be an uphill battle because unfortunately there there has been there exists a stigma with gluten-free beers, which you know we're looking to change. And I think a lot of that has to do with the lack of accessibility to the grains that we have now, you know, and the recipes and technology just may not have been dialed in. So that that's one challenge for me, you know, when I'm out in, in the field. I think it's just, you know, business opening back up and trying to like ingrain yourself in that culture and be a part of it. You know, we're also a new brewery. So I think that a lot of uh, drinkers want to go back to the brands that they know, maybe like less, you know, like less experimental to try a new brand. So there's that, but that is getting better as things are like kind of getting back to normal per se. Right. And then we're seeing things in terms of inflation, both on the, you know, the cost of ingredients and the customers, uh, you know, the bars and restaurants, you know, being a little more cost conscious because they're facing pressures as well. So those are, those are challenges that we face, but that's not really unique to us. That's true of everybody. And I think we have perhaps a little bit more resilience here than traditional breweries because, because of the climate change friendly nature of some
some of our ingredients that are already drought tolerant. They haven't been pushed up as much as some of the others. Like when you talk to barley brewers, the malt prices are up like 50% versus where they were two or three years ago. And for on our side, malt prices only up about five or 10%. So, you know, we're facing less of a of a hike uh, on those on those metrics uh, than some of the other breweries are. With the hops you use to brew your beers, is there a hop you like to work with the most? Is there one that's harder to find in terms of hops? I mean, I, I, I love a lot of hops. I mean, uh, going into hops is like one of the great joys of being a brewer and exploring all the differences between them and everything. You know, our cow roast Chris uses Hallertau tradition, which is like the newer bread version of Hallertau from Germany that they came up with it again to sort of address climate change shifts in the, in the climate in Germany. And I really do love that hop as a noble hop. It has, uh, you know, a little bit, it has that classic floral characteristic, but it also has a little bit of a, like a, a new school type aroma to it that's really pleasant too so um, that's one that whenever i smell that hallertau tradition i'm like oh it's just a great great aroma and then you know we do feature a lot of american hops in in our beers because we you know we believe in in supporting local producers so like we'd use a lot of hops from the west coast from washington state and from oregon and stuff like that focusing on those varieties that are grown domestically so that we can showcase you know the great work that that people are doing you know on the west coast of the united states what's in the life like over otherwise brewing as far as is, um, you know, the culture that we want to create is inclusivity. That's a big thing for us, you know, brewing beer for uh, people who, you know, might have dietary restrictions who, you know, just like it's a lifestyle choice for them to avoid gluten. They just want to drink healthier. When we do open our tap room, I think that people can expect a warm, inviting and gluten-free atmosphere. Inclusivity for sure is a big part of it. We want, we want everyone to be welcome. You know, we'll provide experiences that are uh, you know that make people want to come in. Don't they, we? It's important for us. Their whole ethos that we're founding. You know, craft beer should be for everyone. No one should feel like they're excluded from this because oh, it's not my kind of thing or it's not my kind of people. Right? It should be a very broad thing. That's definitely one of the things I love about craft beer: the inclusiveness. I go to a lot of beer festivals, and I definitely love the community that comes from craft beer, along with the camaraderie. And going to beer festival for me is like going to a multiverse. I'm different. I'm looking at different breweries, different realities, discovering new beers. Now, is that something that you like to expand on in the future in terms of otherwise brewing, go to other beer festivals beyond Bay Area Brewfest? Yeah, who doesn't love a beer festival? Oh, for sure. I love a beer festival. And like you're saying, the the diversity and inclusivity that the industry brings is something that made me fall in love with it. I love how like co- collaborative it is. And it's, yeah, we we want to be a part of that and perpetuate it and give, give back what it gave us. As one such as myself, who likes to attend food and beer pairings are there food pairings that pair well with any beers currently brewed by otherwise brewing oh so many we actually send out emails with this to our accounts or like these are great pairings we just thought of for our beer so there's so many choices right stellar is there one off the top of your mind you think we love this question there's so much versatility um there i can give you like a full list from cuisine across the world of what goes well with our beer but a kind of good un- umbrella be like in- a good umbrella food item that that um, pairs well, given that we brew primarily with rice malt, is any rice-based dish. And I feel like most regions of the world incorporate rice in, in some form, whether they manipulate it with spices or the way that it's cooked or anything like that. But um, yeah, sushi is a is the classic pairing with Cal Rose, our flagship rice lager that we mentioned. And because we kind of have something for every palate, there's there's always a food pairing that we could, you know, match with each of those beers. Oh, wonderful, because I love pairing beer with with food. It's most definitely something I love to explore in terms of 
the palate and finding the right beer with the right dish. Yeah, and we do have some uh, restaurant accounts. There's a great gluten-free restaurant here in San Francisco called Firefly, and they've done cooking with our beer. They did a braised pork shoulder with our IPA, which was amazing. We had the opportunity to try it, and, and we loved it. So not just cook, not just beer pairing, but also you know cooking with beer is something that we get excited to do. Yeah, one that's become dear to me is like a seafood paella with our Western Vision Pale Ale. It's just that it's just you know having that nice hop bite next to the the you know sort of the the intensity of the sea, of the shellfish is like really nice. We had an account that made a cake recently with our chocolate stout as well. So there's yeah, people are definitely finding creative uses for those beers. <laughs> yeah, and as someone who bakes, baking with stout beer is something I love doing. I love finding different stouts to do with it because just the taste always comes out differently. And when I taste a beer, I kind of get an idea what's coming, but also the end result comes from the baking product. So if stouts and baking is just, it's a perfect combo. I love it. And um, also now with San Francisco, now what kind of San Francisco beer scene, what can, where's it going in the year 2023 in terms of, you know, where's, where it's going from the business side, also new beers coming out, you know, what can, um, what can we look forward to from the San Francisco craft beer scene in 2023? That's an interesting question. You know, I think people coming out of COVID, they're, they're really, they're, there's a little bit of like a comfort vibe. Like they want, the, they want that, that sort of nostalgic feel of the things that, that, that they used to enjoy, you know, back in the good old days before everyone was locked down. Right. So I think when I talk to other brewers, there's, there's, they're seeing a lot of people coming back to the flagships. They want to, they want to have those beers that they really remember and hold dear to their hearts. Uh, so I think you're going to see a lot of that in the craft beer scene over the next couple of years is, is people really like touting the virtues of the beers that made them famous in the first place. Yeah. And to riff off of that, what I predict for 2023 is definitely more like taproom culture, I think is going to dominate, you know, in some cases, maybe more than the product, you know, if like the vibe is good, those are your people, then, you know, not being able to go out and have a taproom experience for the last couple of years, I think people like are trying to get their their fill of that and compensate for that. Um, so I think taproom culture is big. And then going back to, again, the mindful drinking better for you drinking space. I think that that is also going to be big and continue to grow in 2023. And I'm noticing that with Gen Z too, they seem to definitely be more mindful of what they're drinking. And I'm not sure if that's because when, you know, they became of drinking age, White Claw was, you know, this, the hard seltzer, like hard kombucha market was, you know, this option for those palates. But I definitely notice uh, that trend in the, that like young group of drinkers. When it does come to younger generation, as it gets older what kind of impact can they have in a craft beer industry going forward um interesting question i i would say i mean everyone everyone loves nostalgia right you always think you always remember that first beer you had uh in college or that first brewery that you visited in a certain place so uh that's a hard thing to predict you know the the world the world has changed a lot you know since i started in the industry like 11 12 years ago so that's hard that's hard to predict but i think that the I think that the most important things are diversity and inclusivity and being adaptable, you know, not just with your ingredients, but like with your branding, um, just what you're offering. Yeah, I agree. The, the sort of Gen Z conversations I've had, they seem to be much more tuned into, you know, the impact behind the product and not just the tradition of it. You know, I think maybe in more of the millennial generation, you see a lot of beer drinkers grew up with just like crap beer was a new thing. You know, 
like, oh, this is cool. But look at all these, you know, these amazing IPAs and new beer styles and stuff like that. And then Gen Z is being, had grown up with all the sobriety already. So they're asking, okay, well, what about the health impacts? What about, you know, the social impacts behind it? You know, what about the inclusivity behind it? So uh, they're, they're more, I think, invested into the, the whole ecosystem behind the experience, right? I think that's a positive thing. I think it pushes breweries to be a little more thoughtful about their, what they're doing and that they're putting stuff out there that's going to be, you know, appealing to a wide group of people. During your free time, outside of Otherwise Brewing, what do each of you do in your free time? And what's a beer plan that goes with that? Fun question. Um, in my in my very little free time, when I do get a break from Otherwise, I love seeing live music. My, my live music engagement is very high. So a beer pairing for that is something that I don't want to spill. So something that comes in a can and not a cup is kind of my pairing for that because I am a little pit princess mosh queen and I don't want my beer spilling all over me or someone else or the floor where someone can slip. But when I do, when I when I do go to shows and I do have the choice of a nice craft beer, I do love a good juicy, hazy, local fresh IPA to to rock out with. For me, I I really love to cook, so my free time, you know, I like to do dinner parties and 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 uh, make elaborate dishes. I know Stellar also enjoys that. Uh, um, so in terms of the pairing, well, I mean, there's a lot of pairings that you can drink while you're cooking something. I think the ones I tend to turn to the most while I'm cooking, it's going to be something that's not too strong because I need to keep my wits about me as I prepare the meal over a couple of hours, right? So I'll be going either for the, if it's if it's really hot outside, I'll be going for the rice lager usually. And then if, it, if it's a little bit chillier, then I'll go for, you know, a nice hoppy pale ale, something like that. Most definitely very fun to hear about. And before we wrap this up, there's anything else like to add about Otherwise Brewing. You can go to our website and see a map of uh, accounts that have recently the order for us. So if you're wondering where can I check out this otherwise brewing near me, go there. You'll find the bars, the restaurants, the liquor stores that carry our beer. You can find a place that's close to you. Yes. And we do ship within California through our website. And yeah, you know, keep keep in touch. Stay tuned with what we're doing. We got some big moves planned for 2023. So we are otherwise brewing on Instagram and Facebook and otherwise beer on Twitter. Thank you very much for the information. I thank you, Stellar and Aaron for joining me here on the Brew Stilled podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. That there is my talk with Stellar and Aaron from Otherwise Brewing in San Francisco, California. Definitely a most innovative craft brewery from San Francisco that I look forward to exploring more of in the future. And I'd love to thank both Stellar and Aaron for joining me here in Brew Stilled. I definitely can't wait to check out their beers next month at Bay Area Brewfest, along with also discussing those beers here on Brew Stilled in future episodes. In the meantime, though, that would do it for me on this edition of Brew Stilled. Please do tell your friends and family about this podcast, and please rate this podcast on your desired podcast directory as feedback is always appreciated also stay tuned for future guest interviews here in brew stilled and more updates from the craft beer industry also do check out this podcast on instagram at brew stilled podcast on instagram until the next edition of brew stilled do be sure to join some good craft beer bourbon and whiskey i'm your host brandon and thank you for joining me and i'll see you next time and until then be brewed and be the stilled folks cheers (laughs) 